If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 482. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com, B-R-I-O-N. McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook and a free audiobook of the same title, Forgotten Founders, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com, learn true, T R U E, learn true history.com, and of course, BrianMcClanahan.com. Click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can get a book plate, get one of my books, my latest, Jeffersonian Tradition. It's awesome. Southern Scribblings came out last year. I've got a whole bunch of books besides that. So all of those are available where you can get books. So go ahead and purchase those. Also click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. People have been ordering some really interesting things recently. I'm, I'm pretty amazed by what people order off of there. But you can get clothing items, stationary items, a clock. You can get uh, things that go wall plates, all kinds of cool stuff with my logo on it, which is, uh, I think, just fun. Electronic skins for electronic devices, just cool stuff. So go on over to that shop tab and click on that. I don't make a lot of money on those things. It's just a great way to advertise the show. And, of course, uh, share the show on, uh, around on social media. Rate it, read your podcasts. Let people know that you're thinking locally and acting locally and you want them to listen to the show, too, because that's how we grow the audience. Okay. Well, let's start. This is the wrapping up the week. This is actually a listener-generated episode, and I got this roundabout way. It was sent to uh, Tom Woods who then sent it to me, and then also he suggested that this person send me this email as well. So I'm going to address this. Now, this is a plug for my class. I teach an entire class on the war. When I say the war, if you're in the South, you know what war I'm talking about. But the War for Southern Independence is the title of the course. I teach it at McClanahan Academy. It is my best-selling course by far. I also have a bundle with it where you can get that and the Reconstruction class for a, a discount. And uh, I sometimes run a sale even on that bundle. So if you're at McClanahan Academy, if you're at BrianMcClanahan.com and you're on that email list, well, then you, you're going to get those deals. Right now I'm running a sale on the courses separately, which is a good deal. Uh, if you're on the and that, This sale is almost over, but if you're listening to this podcast, you might want to run out and buy that class. So if you're on the email list, you're going to get the coupon, and you can run over there and get them on sale. I will tell you it is a great course um, you won't walk away from that class with an impression of the war the way you would if you went to this guy's class who wrote this email. So let me start with that. Now, I say that who wrote the text of it, not the email itself. It came from a listener. And this listener said, I'm a high school and community college science teacher. As such, I'm unfortunately often surrounded by irrational, overly emotional, and unresearched rantings. I recently came across this Facebook post from a colleague and thought you might be interested in reading it. I suspect the post is a post of a post of a post, and I'm not sure of the actual origin. 
I sent this to Tom Woods, and he suggested I send it to you. So I've seen this before, right? I've seen this stuff. Uh, I've seen parts of this in other places. But I thought it would be nice to focus on these questions and answers because this is kind of a catechism for the modern left on how do you respond to these arguments. And they're really not responses. Um, so let's get into some of this stuff. And, I, and again, I cover these things in my um, Southern, War for Southern Independence class in more detail. So I'm just going to say a few things about each one of these questions and their response, and I'll laugh at some of these things because they're really bad. Okay, so let's go. Question, what did the Confederacy stand for? Answer, rather than interpreting, let's go directly to the words of the Confederacy's Vice President, Alexander Stevens, in his cornerstone speech on March 21st, 1861. He stated, the Constitution rested upon the equality of races. This was an error. Our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite idea. Its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination is a superior race. To the superior race is his natural and normal condition. This, our new government, is the first in the history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical, and moral truth. Now, I did an entire podcast on... Alexander Stevens' Cornerstone speech. If you go back and you look it up, it's on YouTube. It's on, if you go to any podcast site, I can't remember the exact podcast number for it, but it's one of my most listened to episodes because people searching for the Cornerstone speech will come across this. Okay, so I did an entire episode on this. First of all, Stevens said later on in a private diary that the speech wasn't necessarily jotted down exactly the way he said it. It was extemporaneous, that he was speaking off the cuff, and he had no reason to lie at that particular point. He, there, was, there was nothing in it that, it was his recollection, there was nothing in it that would say, well, you know, I'm trying to change the way I interpret this event. It was published in a newspaper by a newspaper writer. And so, I mean, he might have said it exactly like this. Maybe there was a little difference. But he didn't think that the story got it exactly right in what he said. Now, the Constitution rested upon the equality of the races. That whole position is incorrect. It didn't rest. Now, in fact, abolitionists would say it rested on slavery. The U.S. Constitution was a pro-slavery document. Now, Stevens is saying, no, no, it's an anti-slavery document. So is he actually agreeing with Lysander Spooner? Is he agreeing with Frederick Douglass? That is an anti So we need to create a new pro-slavery document? I've done an entire episode on the Confederate Constitution. When I teach my American Constitutions class at McClanahan Academy, I cover the Confederate Constitution. There is a difference between the U.S. Constitution and the Confederate Constitution in language, but not in power. So what the Confederate Constitution does is use the word slavery, and they use the word Negro slavery in the Constitution. So um, that word is used, and so to say that this is codified in the document is true. right? I mean, that's true. But in terms of power, there's no difference between the central authority in the Confederacy and the central authority in the U.S. government over the power of the central authority to do anything about slavery. In the U.S. Constitution, the, the U.S. Constitution had no power of the institution. They couldn't abolish it. They couldn't really do anything about it. Same thing in the Confederate Constitution. They couldn't abolish it. It was prohibited. It was prohibited in the U.S. Constitution. So there's no difference between the two. And I think this is what most people don't understand. Is that the cornerstone of the Confederacy? Well, there's other people that said the cornerstone 
Uh, for example, Robert Toombs set an entirely different cornerstone, which was the principles of independence and self-determination. That was the cornerstone upon which the government was founded. So which confederate are you listening to? Which position are you in? This is a diverse group of people that have different attitudes and different opinions about all kinds of things. Were they certainly pro-slavery? Yes, many of them were pro-slavery. In fact, probably the majority of, uh, certainly the majority of the governing uh, elites in the South were certainly pro-slavery. There's no doubt about that. But um, you could say that once you add Virginia to the mix and North Carolina and Tennessee and Arkansas and you get some of these other areas, they weren't as ardently pro-slavery as, say, those from South Carolina or Alabama, uh, these places. So you still had a diversity of opinion within the Confederacy about what should be done with slavery or not done with slavery. And in fact, Jefferson Davis himself was willing to put it aside for independence as, as early as 1864 and saying, look, we need to think about this. We're going to lose. We need Independence is more important than slavery. And in fact, the Confederacy had the chance to come back in the Union. They would have made, if, if the war was all about slavery, they would have made, the United States was willing to make slavery permanent in the South, which they couldn't abolish it there anyways, but make it permanent in the South if they would just come back in the Union. Lincoln said, we can we can work with this, 1890s, we can stretch this out, 1900 in Delaware, um, if you'll just come back in the Union. So was it the cornerstone of the entire system? Was it just about slavery? Well, certainly the South was a slaveholding republic, but no different from the United States, which was also a slaveholding republic after the war was over, right? I mean, slavery still existed in West Virginia, in Kentucky, uh, in Delaware. I should say West Virginia was before the war was over, but certainly Kentucky, Delaware, and New Jersey, excuse me. In fact, there were slave auctions in Kentucky as late as November of 1865. So, uh, I mean, what's going on here, right? So which one, which one was pro and anti-slavery? I think Stevens is saying something that's incorrect. Question, but people keep saying heritage, not hate. They think the purpose of the flags and monuments are to honor Confederate soldiers, right? Answer, the, excuse me, the vast majority of Confederate flags flying over government buildings in the South were first put up in the 1960s during the Civil Rights Movement. That's not true. That's not true at all. In fact, some of them were put up earlier than that. Uh, and you look at what's going on in the 1960s as well. You have the centennial of the war. In fact, in the 1950s and the 60s, you start having this resurgence of interest in the war. The Mississippi flag was created long before that, which, of course, had the battle flag in it. Uh, the Georgia flag was put up uh, not in the 1960s when they, the battle flag was in the Georgia flag. It was before that. So it wasn't in the 1960s, and you could say, well, there was opposition to the Civil Rights Movement. Well, I mean, there were some Southerners that certainly used the flag in that way. And what's really interesting is that black Southerners who were interested in uh, you know, resisting this kind of voter suppression and other things, which did happen, uh, were using the U.S. flag. So you certainly had that, that symbol of the battle flag in opposition to civil rights, and that became a lasting impression of the symbol. It wasn't used like that before that point. In fact, nowadays, and uh, I'm going to get into this. There's another point, so I'll save that. But um, the flag, yeah, some people did use it that way, but most Southerners don't use it that way. I would, I mean, I would argue. Uh, so the first four, first hundred years after the Civil War ended, 
while relatives of those who fought in it were still alive, the Confederate flag wasn't much of a symbol at all. That's not true. You see it all kinds of places. You see it at every single memorial event, every single uh, monument, every single unveiling of those monuments. You saw it all over the place. Wasn't much of a symbol at all. You've got presidents holding it up in the presence of Confederate soldiers. You have an effort. You have an effort by Southerners to get battle flags returned back to them that have been stolen in the war. Teddy Roosevelt actually did this. So it was a pretty important symbol to a lot of people in the South. But when Martin Luther King Jr. and John Lewis were marching on Washington to get the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act passed, leaders in the South felt compelled to fly Confederate flags and put up monuments to honor people who had not, no living family members and had fought in a war that ended a century ago. But you see... There were very few monuments put up in the 1960s <laughs> during the Civil Rights Movement. Most of the monuments were put up, let's see, about 25 and 50 years after the war was over, when most of the people, there were still people alive that, of course, fought in the war. Uh, so when they actually had money to do so, this is a stupid point, and it doesn't make any sense because it's not based on anything that's historically accurate. Their purpose in doing this was to exhibit their displeasure with black people fighting for basic human rights that were guaranteed to them in the 14th and 15th Amendments, but being withheld by racist policies and practices. I mean, I can't deny there weren't people that do this, of course. Nobody can say that. Well, there weren't some people that did this, certainly. But monuments didn't go up in large numbers in the 1960s. This is, this is, I mean, even those on the left will recognize that. So what do they do? They say, well, it's all about maintaining Jim Crow. But there was a threat to Jim Crow. There was no threat to Jim Crow in 1890. There wasn't any legislation before Congress that would make end Jim Crow segregation in the South. There was no threat at all. There was nothing. Nothing going on. So this was all about remembering these people, remembering the heroes. I mean, this is about heroism and what they thought were the good virtues of Southerners. This is why Booker T. Washington said himself, hey, um, uh, this is uh, you know, this is this is important that we have these symbols of great Southern men because uh, having symbols of great Southern men is essential for the fabric of society. Question, but if we take down Confederate statues and monuments, how will we teach about and remember the past? Answer, monuments and statues pose little educational relevance, whereas museums, the ripe face for Confederate paraphernalia, can provide more educational opportunities for citizens to learn about our country's history. The Civil War is important to learn about, and will always loom large in social studies curriculum. Removing monuments from public places and putting them in museums also allows us to avoid celebrating and honoring people who believe that tens of millions of black Americans should be, should be legal property. So do we take down Thomas Jefferson? How about George Washington? How about James Madison? We down all those people too because you know what? Washington, Washington, at the end of the war for American independence said, hey, uh, you know what we need to do? We need to get all these slaves that you've captured and sent to Canada. They need to come back, right? And the British resisted. So should he be taken down? How about the big obelisk there in Washington, D.C.? Should that be taken? Should we rename the city? Rename the city entirely. But this is just stupid. And I brought up this story before where I had a, somebody email me about Texas. And this was back in the 80s. He was, he was uh, having visiting uh, scholars from uh, from China, or visiting businessmen, I'm sorry, for China, and they were in Dallas. And they went to a, 
uh, lunch, and they the, these guys were allowed to go anywhere they wanted. And what do you want to see in Dallas? Well, a lot of people, I want to see the where, where Kennedy was shot, right? I don't want to see that. No, no. They wanted to see the Lee Memorial in Dallas because to them, that was the symbol of America. The Lee Memorial in Dallas. Nothing else but the Lee Memorial. So that's what these people, these uh, these Chinese nationals wanted to see. It wasn't about John F. Kennedy or anything else. They want, because, see, monuments do teach you something. They do have value, educational value. Franklin Roosevelt helped dedicate that monument. It had educational value. So as you, they're not going to museums either. In, in um, Richmond, they're being put at sewage treatment plants. Is that really... Um, is that really honoring, uh, you know, putting so we can understand? No, they're just being stuck at sewage treatment plants. They're not going to museums. There's no effort to preserve these things. They're just going away. Question, but what if the Confederate flag symbol means something different to me? A, answer. Individuals aren't able to change the meaning of symbols that have been defined by history. Really? So this is their, this is their response to this. When I hang a Bucks flag outside my house, to me, the Bucks represent the best team in the NFL. But to the outside world, they represent an awful NFL team. Since they haven't won a playoff game in 18 years, obviously this was written before uh, the latest Super Bowl. I can't change that meeting for everyone who drives by my house because it has been established for the whole world to see. If a Confederate flag stands for generic rebellion or Southern pride to you, your personal interpretation forfeits any meaning once you display it publicly. As this meaning takes on the meaning it earned when it when a failed regime killed hundreds of thousands of Americans in an attempt to destroy America and keep black people enslaved forever. Well, first of all, this is just one of the funniest parts of the whole thing. You know, America, the U.S. flag, people are having to defend that now from the left because, wait, 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 you can't say that flag means racism and 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 imperialism and all these things. You can't say that. Why? Because it doesn't mean that to me. It doesn't mean that to me. You can't say that about my flag. That doesn't, that doesn't, it means, it means freedom and independence. Does it mean that to the Vietnamese people? How about North Koreans? Does it mean that to them? How about, how about communist Chinese? Does it mean that to them or to the Soviet Union or to Eastern Europeans or to many people in Latin America, South America? Does it mean that to them? Is that what it means? Because I can tell you it doesn't. So this is the recognized meaning of the symbol, if you want to see. And now the left, the American left, is saying the symbol means that, that MAGA supporters, have, it's become the new Confederate flag. This is the thing they're saying. So this guy, well, it doesn't mean that. That's not the accepted thing. That's not what it means to me. So when I publicly display it, this is what it means. This argument is stupid. Plus the end of it, which is just hysterical. A fail regime, regime. Not a government, not self-determination, but a regime, killed hundreds of thousands of Americans in an attempt to destroy America. They weren't tempted to destroy anything. America still existed. The United States still existed. You still had a Confederate States of America. America still existed. And keep black people enslaved forever. Well, that wasn't clearly, it wasn't, I mean, Jefferson Davis has said, you know, well, we, can, we should end slavery. And this was an open discussion about how to do it near the end of the war. But my uncle posted a meme that said the Civil War Confederacy is about states' rights and not slavery. A state's rights to do what? Uh, secede from the Union. 
pretty simple. The state's right to self-determination. That's the state's rights. But, you know, hey, that's not really an argument. Question, everyone is offended about everything these days. Should we take everything down that offends anyone? A, answer, the Confederacy literally existed to go against the Constitution. It didn't. It didn't literally exist to go against the Constitution. In fact, much of the Confederate Constitution is taken word for word from the U.S. Constitution, so it didn't go against that. The Declaration of Independence, no, no. They actually talked about this, too, because there, 80 years before this, they had had independence that didn't go against that. And the idea that black people are human beings that deserve to live freely. Well, they did think black people were human beings. Um, many Southerners did. Some didn't. Many Southerners did. Um, they didn't. There were free blacks in the South. They were there. Not every black, in the, black person in the South was a slave. So they were there, too. They weren't allowed in the North, by the way. <laughs> so they couldn't really live freely in the North in many places. So I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, misunderstanding here about history. If that doesn't upset you or offend you, you're un-American. You're un-American. Here's that term. So if you support the Confederacy in any way, you're un-American. These people were not Americans. That is an argument that's now being made by conservatives, by people on the left. I've seen it. It's un-American to say the Constitution was a flawed document. That's un-American. So Patrick Henry, then, is un-American. So descendants of people who had been in Virginia since 1607 or after were un-American. Or shortly thereafter, un-American. This is when you know Richard Taylor, who was descendant from Virginians, from uh, people that settled in Plymouth, in a German lecture, and what it mean to, meant, meant to be an American, he said, well, look, I mean, I haven't had time, only 200 years to learn this. Uh, thanks for telling me. So he was un-American, according to this nincompoop that wrote this long, idiotic thread. Question, taking down these goes against the First Amendment and freedom of speech, right? Qu- answer, no. Anyone can do whatever they want on their private property, on their social media, etc. But that's not true. You can't do whatever you want on your social media. If you try, put up an image of a Confederate flag and see how long it stays there, or if you don't get hammered for it by Facebook or by Twitter or something else. See? And and we've got Saki out there saying that the government is actually working with these and that these are public platforms. So if they're public platforms, then clearly uh, there shouldn't because they're cross state lines, they're not there should be some type of prohibition on these things on social media platforms. I mean you would think. But that's not the case. Taking these down in public or having private corporations like NASCAR ban them on their properties has literally nothing to do with the Bill of Rights. This is an argument that's often made. Well, I mean it's all about private things. It's nothing to do with the Bill of Rights. This is the left libertarian position. It should just be no shut up. But, uh, you know, nothing to do with the Bill of Rights. Nothing to do with that at all. Um, we're just taking it down in public. That's, that's all we do. It's not a violation. Taking these down in public, well, I mean, okay. Is it not if I have a tall flag and it's on private property, so... But they don't want that there, and now the government's going to get in because I mean they've, they've done these things. Is that not a violation of first? I mean, if you want to say incorporation and being a corporationist, well, then you got to be consistent. So that would technically violate the First Amendment. 
Question, how can people claim to be patriotic while supporting a flag that stood for a group of insurgent failures who tried to permanently destroy America and killed 300,000 Americans in the process? Answer, no clue. (laughs) That one's the best. That one's the best because of the question itself. How can people claim to be patriotic while supporting a flag that stood for a group of insurgent failures who tried to permanently destroy America and killed 300,000 Americans in the process? Well, what about the other side of it that tried to kill people to keep them in a union they didn't want to be in that violated the right of self-determination and self-government for the union. Is that not un-American? That would be the British position in 1776. So who really is un-American here? The people fighting for self-determination, right of self-government, or the people fighting against it? Question, so if I made a Confederate flag my profile picture or put a Confederate bumper sticker on my car, what am I declaring to my friends, family, and the world? That you support the Confederacy. To recap, the Confederacy stands for slavery, white supremacy, treason, failure, and desire to permanently destroy selective history as it supports white supremacy. You really can't make up this kind of stupid. Uh, Now, I mean, you can put whatever you want on your car, um, do whatever you want in that way, but I would say that it doesn't support all of these things. And it didn't always. It always was the flag of the South. This is what people had. It was, I mean, in, in Ireland in 1960, there was uh, a group of Irishmen that were, they were the, um, uh, I can't remember the name, but Dixie was in the name, but they had big Confederate flags in Ireland. Here's the home of these people. And, and uh, you know, this was just known. It was ridiculous to think that somehow, um, this was it was the flag of the South. It was the Dixie flag, is what it was called. So I find all these arguments just hilarious. And at the end, it said it's no accident that you learned about Helen Keller instead of W. B. Du Bois. Well, um, I don't know any place in America that doesn't teach W. B. Du Bois. Helen Keller, Helen Keller was a socialist. Uh, so I mean, everybody in Alabama knows about Helen Keller. And then across the United States, I mean, but she's a socialist. That's why she was picked. Du Bois, though, people also learn about Du Bois. Uh, I think just about any any curriculum you look at, there's something about Du Bois in it. So that's a stupid point. You learned about Watts and L.A. Wrights, but not Tulsa or Wilmington. Um, I'm not certain people even teach about Watts or the L.A. Wrights anymore. But we're going to hear a lot about Tulsa. You learned about that George Washington dentures are made from wood, not rather than the teeth of slaves. You learned about black ghettos, not about black Wall Street. You learned about the New Deal, but not the red lining. You learned about Tommy Smith's fist in the air in the 1968 Olympics, but not that he was sent home the next day and stripped of his medals. You learned about black crime, but white criminals were never lumped together and discussed in terms of their race, etc. So you learned about states' rights as the cause of civil war, but not that slavery was mentioned 80 times in the Articles of Secession. Uh, I mean... Which which documents, which documents, which states were saying this? I mean, there are some states that talked about slavery and then states that really didn't say anything about it. Privilege is having history written so that you don't have to acknowledge uncomfortable facts. Racism is perpetuated by people who refuse to learn or acknowledge this reality. You have a choice. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that's going out and getting into the American education system. And, I mean, it's it's hilariously bad. If you don't want to get this then take McClanahan Academy um, because this kind of stuff is what you would get in your public schools. It's what you get in most of your public universities, your private schools, private universities. You're going to get this. I mean, people think that somehow the other side of this is, I mean, so prevalent that there's just, 
I mean, if we don't do something about this, that 320 million American people are going to believe the other side, that we have to fight against this. Fighting against a boogeyman, because you know what? All of this other stuff is generically taught in just about every curriculum in America. Everyone. So it's just silly. But anyways, I appreciate the email. And again, if you want to get a real class on the war, then take mine at McLean Academy uh, because it's good. And if you want to get um, the, the Reconstruction side, bundle them together, get that. I've got good deals right now if you're getting this when the podcast airs, which is uh, July 22nd, 2021. But re- regardless, thanks for sending the email. Send these things on because I do like to get this stuff, and it's just funny. Uh, Some of these things are just hysterically bad, but I'll see you next week on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.